Welcome back to Inspired Babes Let's Chat Podcast. So today we're on episode 54 and I had Peter Laban on and we went right into talking about masculine and feminine energy. He has so much so much wisdom around it and has been doing this work for quite some time. And he also works with men and women um, around this and ha- helping people get a deeper understanding around what masculine, what feminine is, what's your core, what you are to your core, and how can we balance that out so you can create the most successful relationships in your life and in with yourself. And, you know, I just really admire Peter because, you know, what he's up to in the world and because of his knowledge and what he provides by him doing the work, it's adding to the collective by him sharing and by him helping all these men and women, it's truly making a difference. He is a stand to cause transformation for people to really be able to identify who they are as a man or woman. And to me, that is so inspiring. And I just, again, I admire who he is and I'm so grateful that, you know, he took the time today to be on and, and on this podcast and record with me. It was such a treat. And so I want you guys just to buckle up for this incredible episode and you may want to take some notes if something speaks to you, but again, listen in a place of, you know, there could be something you're not clear on, um, with, in terms of masculine and feminine energy and, you know, go in listening for something because I know you're going to get at least one to, to many more things out of this in your listening. Right. Um, because again, we don't know what we don't know until we do know. And so sometimes, you know, that's why I love listening to these types of things like podcasts and reading books and having insightful conversations with people that have more knowledge than I do because I have light bulbs go off. Therefore, I'm continually expanding and growing and learning and I'm looking for myself on how I can improve, right? And so again, I'm just so excited for you to hear this because it's so, so good. And also if you would go over to Apple Podcast and subscribe, when you subscribe, and write a review, it gets to more people. Therefore I can, you know, really cause transformation for other people in the world. And also you get notified when a new episode releases, which is weekly. And, um, that would just be amazing. And also you can share this in your stories. Be sure to go over to my Instagram, Micah J Bruin, M I K A J B R U I N and connect with me there as well. And you can even do it on Facebook. So, and just make sure to say hi and tell me you heard this on the podcast because I'd love to connect. So let's do this. Excited to have you on my podcast today. I remember, when were you on the unwed group, um, the webinar? Was this like a month ago? Yeah, it was about a month ago. A month ago. So the unwed group, I actually had Marie on my podcast maybe a few months ago. So those of you who, you know, are new to this, she is in charge of a, um, unwed group and it's to support everyone who has been through divorce. It's an incredible support group. And so she had Peter on and he really got, he dove into masculine and feminine energy. And I was so blown away with your knowledge, Peter, um, because I've been wanting to have somebody on to speak about masculine and feminine energy, because I think it's so important to have access to, you know, the knowledge around that. 
because I think a lot of people think that masculine is only a man, manly thing. It's only in men and feminine is only in women. And I've come to, you know, realize and, and know that it's in both, both people, like a, a woman can carry both and a man can carry both. And it's just balancing that, balancing that all out. And so, and, and it seems like you have been through your own journey as well to get to this point in your life. Um, so what, what got you to this? So, you know, in terms of background, I didn't know any of this stuff, uh, years ago when I got married and, uh, uh, the reason I'm so excited about the work and sharing the work and helping people is because when I found the work, um, I had one aha moment after another and just realized that, frankly, this should be taught to everybody in high school uh, because it's such a fundamental piece of the human experience. And so few people actually are aware of it and are aware of their own masculine energy, their own feminine energy, how much time they spend in it, who they are at their core self. So the way I found this work uh, essentially had to do with my marriage. <clears throat> so when I was, I got married and had four kids and did something fairly common, which is I focused on my career and providing for the family and my wife focused on raising the children. And the issue with that is that that actually got us disconnected from each other because we didn't put as much energy into each other. And so eventually at some point um, I realized that the relationship was in deep trouble. Like it, it was sort of like not super awesome for, an extended period of time, but then it kind of hit a, an inflection point. So it was clear that something needed to be done. And um, I got on it and my best friend gave me David Data's book, The Way of the Superior Man. And I literally started reading it one afternoon and I didn't put it down until I was done because it was just one truth bomb <laughs> after another, one aha moment after another. And really what that book did is first of all, started me on this journey. <clears throat> and secondly, it really showed me, I knew instantly like all the things that had not worked out in the relationship, why they had not worked out, what my role was in that and what I needed to change. It was just like, boom, mm. instant. And um, a lot of, a lot has happened since then because I went to David Data's workshops. I did workshops with other people who have studied with him I did a year long program for people who coach in masculine feminine. And as I encounter people on this journey, um, a lot of people's story is really not that dissimilar from mine. A lot of men in particular um, have the sort of same experience. And when I explain to them for lack of a term, what their job is in their masculine in relationship, and I explain to them why their woman seems crazy to them, but it's not crazy. <laughs> They're just mm -hmm. not understanding what she is communicating to them. So it sounds crazy to the masculine, but if you actually can hear the feminine, you will actually understand what is happening and what you need to do about it. And then men love it because um, now they know what to do. They have a purpose, they have a goal, they have something they can accomplish and, and shift their relationship. So, mm. so that, that was my personal story of how I landed in, into the work. Yeah. How, so how long have you been doing this work? So that was about six years ago. Oh, wow. Six years ago. Okay. That is incredible. Is your wife now, is she really into this work as well? So 
what ended up happening is that um, by doing the work, I started changing uh, the relationship, but it was kind of too little too late. So we did end up getting divorced uh, in the last six years. And um, I feel like, you know, part of why I like to help people in this work is because I'm not saying we should have stayed married, but I can say that if I had found the work like five years earlier, chances are that we would have um, mm. because I would have f- essentially been able to fix things uh, earlier before they got too far uh, off track. And that's why I like to help people is that don't get to that place. Don't get to the point where it's too far gone um, because it's not about fixing a relationship. The question is, what kind of relationship do you want to have? What is an awesome relationship? Mm. And so now I've been with my current partner for a few years and she does the work. I introduced her to it. Uh, She actually coaches in the work also. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a lifelong passion and lifelong, uh, practice it's not like mm. you read the book you go to a workshop and suddenly ta-da <laughs> you're magically <laughs> fixed yeah for sure and what i've learned also is that there's so many layers to it right so once you sort of see like oh i was doing that you know i need to change that and then uh so now you're in a new better place and then the next layer shows up and you're like okay so what do i do about this and then and next one and next one so I don't expect this to ever end. I think it's just kind of an infinite, infinite journey. Yeah. And I, and I love that because I'm a big believer in that everything it's there again, like there's layers, it's like an onion, right? You're peeling back another layer, another layer, another layer, and you're going to keep discovering more and more about yourself. But it's when you put yourself in the court and you're playing full out in life, and then you're going to just keep discovering more and more because, yeah, you can't just read a book, go to a training and think it's going to fix all like you're saying, <laughs> like you've got to be committed, so committed to your growth and transformation that you will do what it takes every day to put yourself into the work, right? right. Whatever that work looks like to better you as a human being. And so I love that you just, yeah, you reiterated that. So that's cool. And and, and what I start with, with people typically is, you know, and I'll talk a little bit about masculine and feminine, but what I usually start with Mm -hmm. is help people understand themselves, first of all, and then secondly, understand why they are in relationship, what they're trying to get out of the relationship. And the reason I say that is because clarity is power. You need to be clear about yourself. You need to be clear about the relationship. And most people are not. Most people kind of default into a relationship. They start dating someone that leads to maybe marriage, that leads to maybe kids and blah, blah. But nobody really sets out. uh, Typically, people don't set out tangible goals about how the relationship should be, just certain milestones like marriage or kids, et cetera. And so, you know, what I like from a, you know, you you mentioned growth, um, a lot of people think they're really into growth, but <laughs> they really want other people to grow and uh, not themselves because change is difficult. Um, but where I like to start people is to ask themselves um, how they meet their six basic human needs. And this is from Tony Robbins' work. And so the six human needs are <clears throat> uh, one need is certainty, 
Uh, one need is novelty, which is sort of the opposite uh, of certainty. Um, one need is love and connection. One need is significance. And those are more the psychological needs, those first four. And then the last two needs are growth and contribution. And, you know, you mentioned growth. Those are, you know, what would be considered maybe a little bit more spiritual needs. Um, and um, so the, the question is not which of those needs are important to you. They're all important to you. The question is, how important is each? Which one is more important than others? And how are you meeting them? <clears throat> because you can meet those needs in healthy ways or you can meet those needs in unhealthy ways. Are you meeting those needs yourself? Are you requiring somebody to meet those needs for you? So for example, like an, uh, a healthy way for contribution would be to be of service in whatever form that may be. That's a classic way of fulfilling your own need for contribution to others. An unhealthy way to fulfill a need for certainty would be you might be in a very toxic, unhealthy relationship, but you have certainty that it's bad a certain way. You know the bad, you know, you know the devil that you have, and you stick with it because you meet your need for certainty by that unhealthy experience. So step one, so in that case, in the unhealthy case, in both cases, actually, you're using other people to fulfill your need, one by contributing to them, the other one by being stuck in a pattern with another human being. And some of those needs you can meet by yourself. So just be clear on how you're meeting them and if it's in a healthy way. So that's kind of step one. Okay. Step two, step two is um, relationship. So why are you in relationship? And... Most people, when you ask them that question, they kind of fumble around a little bit. They're like, well, you know, companionship, love, yeah. <laughs> raising a family, <laughs> blah, blah. And that's fine, but it helps to get clear on it. Um, you know, <clears throat> at, at one end of the spectrum, you can see that you could be in a relationship because you have a hard time meet, making ends meet. So you need somebody to help you financially so that you can put you know, two incomes together to live in a house, et cetera. You might need another person to raise children because maybe between you, you've got five children and that takes a lot of energy. And so, you know, so there's that kind of, so what I would call more basic mm -hmm. kind of needs. Yeah. So how important are those? And at the other end of the spectrum, you could have people who are financially independent. Maybe the kids are out of the house. And uh, so maybe those needs are not as important. You, you know, you don't need to be in a relationship to meet them. You can meet them by yourself. <clears throat> but maybe you have spiritual needs or certain growth needs where you need somebody to help you grow, support you in your path, etc. So it doesn't really matter what your reason is. Just be conscious of what that reason is because you need something to kind of shoot for. And remember, I'm in this relationship because this is what I'm trying to accomplish with this person. This is what I'm trying to learn, how I'm trying to grow, how I want to contribute to them. If you don't have that kind of target or why or goal, then when things get hard, what's going to happen? You're going to go, well, she did this or he did that. And, 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 and you know, she's always like this. She's never like that. <laughs> and yeah. you've completely lost sight of why you're even together. You get stuck in a sort of very vicious spiral. 
So get clear on that. Once again, clarity yeah. is power. Uh, so and, give it. Yeah. And, and don't you feel, Peter, that it, it changes too. Like, I think like you're saying, yeah, have a goal in mind, have an intention of what you're looking for. But also I feel like it kind of alters that as you get older, as you expand and you grow, or you just, you discover what you like, what you don't like. I feel like it, it's because for me, from when I was 20 to now, it's completely different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like before it was like, oh, back then it's return missionary and oh, this, uh, he has a good job. Is he like, it was just kind of surfacey things based off of the way I was raised and the programming and different things for me. And now I'm a completely different person in a way. So yes. anybody who's into growth, that will be the experience. You will yeah. be a different person. And so that's why a lot of us have been raised in a culture where you feel like you get married for a lifetime, happily ever after till death do us part. And I feel that that's a bit of an issue because it creates all kinds of problems in the system. If that's your underlying goal, but you can't figure out like why you really are together other than society told you to. Um, and so I believe more in the model of we are together for a reason, a season or a lifetime. So there's nothing wrong with being together for a lifetime. And I think that's in some way the most beautiful way to be together. If you can constantly evolve, grow, redefine your relationship, change those goals and do it together for the extent of your lifetime. Like I couldn't hope for anything more than that. At the same time, don't I don't want to get stuck and that has to be the way it has to be. You could be with somebody in a transitional point in your life for a season where you're helping each other get through divorce, for example, like would be one reason, but it could be all kinds of different reasons. And then when that season is over and the season could be raising children. And then when the children leave the house, how many people get divorced after the children leave the house? Because their reason or season was raising that family. And then they have other things to do that they don't happen to want to do together. And then they move on. And, uh, and that's fine too. And it's about being okay with that, being conscious about what it is that you're doing and being okay with it. Mm, yeah, I like that. I really like the way you put that as far as seasons, right? There's seasons, there's seasons of raising kids. And, and I, I really love when um, people in a way give permission that it's okay if a relationship is done. It's okay if you are moving forward because I think sometimes people just hold on so tight and they're miserable. They've done all the things, but they just keep fighting, they keep fighting. And you're like, it's okay. It's okay for it to end too. So. And I think it's probably easier for it to end if you're clear on the purpose of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not clear, the re the way it often ends is you're constantly fighting and it's essentially that you are not good enough conversation back and forth and has nothing to do with whether you're good enough or not good enough. It's like, yeah. why are we together and should we be together? And can we, you know, is this a journey we want to be on together? And if the answer is yes, you'll figure it out. And if the answer is no, then what's why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of, you know, since we were going to talk about masculine and feminine, so, you know, once you have, I think those two things clear about who you are and your needs and how you're meeting them and you're clear about relationship, 
the masculine feminine work really helps um, in that process and, and, you know, in uh, how you develop the relationship. And so, as you mentioned earlier, like people think of men, sometimes women less so, but men sometimes are like, what do you mean? I'm not a hundred percent masculine. And it's like, so where people get a little confused, and I've seen this actually on, on the Unwed page too, where people say, I'm 100% this, or I'm 99% that, or whatever. Masculine and feminine energies, we have both of them. And it's not even, I don't think about it like, I'm 64% masculine and 36% feminine. It's not how much of a hundred, it's not a pie that you slice into how much of your pie is masculine and how much is feminine. I think of it as two completely separate capabilities, buckets, silos, experiences. So the question is not how much you are one or the other, but how strong is your masculine and how well developed is it? How much time do you spend in your masculine versus same questions for your feminine? So maybe the example I would give is people who go to the gym. People do, some people do cardio and some people do weights. They're both fitness related, but the person who's doing cardio all the time, biking hundred miles or running hundred miles ultra marathons is going to have a very different body than somebody who is pumping iron all day long. And people are not either all pumping iron or all cardio. Most people who are not super serious Olympic level athletes are in between. So you have a cardio capability and you have a strength capability, and they're complementary. And that's why how I think about uh, the masculine and feminine for two reasons. One is they, they are not different pieces of the same pie. They're sort of di two different things that work together. Um, and uh, also, just like cardio and weights, they require training. They require going to the gym, so to speak, to develop those capabilities. And so um, people, like one inventory you could take is start, you know, so like in terms of like what is masculine, what is feminine energy, just sort of at a very high level. And because it usually comes across better through examples, but masculine energy is more the getting stuff done kind of energy. That's the best way I would describe it. And so the masculine energy, um, getting stuff done, you could, Think of it as people who have a career, for example. So they go, that's the energy you use at work to start a business, to run things. But what people don't realize is it's, it's exactly the same energy that you use to parent. Because parenting, a lot of parenting is logistics. It's getting them fat, getting them bathed, getting them clothed, getting them to violin rehearsal, etc. That requires masculine energy, not feminine energy. So all the mothers out there <laughs> are spending a lot of their time in the masculine. Oh, my hell. Yes. I'd like, so, especially single moms, too. Well, single moms are... <gasps> <laughs> completely in the masculine because you go to work, you're in the masculine, you parent your children, you're in the masculine. And the question is how much time, so this is a very common thing I come across. Okay. So how much time do you spend in your feminine? And the answer is very little. And the challenge there 
And, you know, and the feminine, you know, as opposed to the getting stuff done, the feminine is more feeling life fully, feeling the flow of love, feeling energy, going with the flow kind of vibe. And, um, you know, there's other things that labels put people put on them, but at the core, it's really that kind of feeling energetic love Mm -hmm. uh, vibe to it. So it goes back to knowing yourself. If you are at the core, a feminine identified woman, meaning your feminine is much stronger than your masculine in terms of your identity, and you spend all your day in the masculine, you are not going to be very satisfied with life because you are (laughs) going to be spending a lot of time not in the space that is your authentic self. And so the question is, what can you do about it? And the answer is relatively straightforward in the sense that there are feminine practices you can do, um, typically movement practices, for example, and you can do them on a daily basis and have that feminine time to yourself, whether it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes. But it's a very important kind of thing to do to reconnect with your true self at the end of the day. You know, not grab a glass of wine and sit in front of the TV, but turn on the music and move. Uh, oh, yeah. We'll will feed you so much more uh, than a passive kind of TV wine experience for, as an example. Yes. The other part of it is your relationship because your relationship is an opportunity for you to be in your feminine. But what that requires is for your partner to be a strong masculine because we polarize each other. And this is something that's becoming increasingly challenging, I'm finding, uh, Mm. in societies. The people I run across, especially people under 40, have a kind of a a challenge because the women, very often nowadays, it's common that they're more successful than the men that they're with, for example. Mm. And they got there by being in their masculine a lot. And the men seem not to have these days as good a role model of what it means to be in the masculine. And so they actually spend more time in their feminine than men used to spend. And, you know, on the surface, it seems like it's not a problem, right? Because there's no thing, you know, that says men need to be in the masculine, et cetera. But the problem or the challenge occurs when the man and the woman come together because you need polarity. So one of you needs to be in the masculine pole and one of you needs to be in the feminine pole. Mm. So what that means is that if you are a woman who's going to work, taking care of children, always in your masculine, and you're kind of stuck in that masculine default mode all the time, you're not really happy, but you're not really sure why. And you end up attracting men who have a stronger feminine the reason you attract them is because they're attracted to your masculine because you're attracted to your opposite. Wow. Okay. And now you're completely stuck because in your work, in your parenting and in your relationship, you're in the masculine and you're wondering why you're unhappy. Mm. If your true core is feminine, not every woman's true core is feminine, but what I've seen nowadays is that most women do not 
get to experience their feminine enough relative to where they are their authentic self is so mm -hmm. most women do need to get more in touch with their feminine not because they're women but because that's who they are at the core and they've sort of gotten away from it and forgotten it and okay that's so interesting so so one of the examples you were saying is turn on music and dance right so because I've been doing that in the mornings and I'll even do it with my kids too and just kind of get them enrolled in the the fun and play. Um, but I, I do like the idea of doing it by myself and just really getting in that, that um, zone with just Micah. Because mm -hmm. I think if my kids are around, I could be worried about them or even though it's great, it's fun and it's play, but I like the idea of doing it by myself and stepping into that. So, right, so you just said something. Uh, I'll play back for you, which is you're Ooh. worried about them when you're dancing with them. Okay. Ooh. Because because you're in your masculine, you're okay. holding space for them. You're always wondering what's happening to them. And so what you just said is, I want to do it by myself because then I don't have to have any part of me in the masculine in that moment. I can be fully in my feminine. Yeah. But if my children are there, a piece of me <laughs> needs to stay in my masculine. So that yeah. was a great setup, Micah. <laughs> oh my god! But then I would take it to, to another place, which is <clears throat> I would also encourage you to do it with other women because mm. you don't have to take care of them. They're just other women doing their thing, but dance in the same space as them because energetically you will play off of each other. You, you, you don't have to do anything. Just being with five other women in a space with music moving um, is going to be a more powerful experience than doing it. Doing it by yourself will be powerful, but doing it with them will be even more powerful. Okay. And it's not dissimilar from something like meditation. If you meditate by yourself, uh, you can have a great experience. And if you're a practice meditator, you will have you know daily great experiences. But if you go meditate with a thousand people in a temple, it'll just blow your mind. Like the level of experience is different energetically. And you're doing exactly mm -hmm. the same thing. Your eyes are closed. You're sitting. You're doing exactly the same meditation. But doing it in community actually amplifies the experience. So Ooh. I would encourage you to dance with your kids as one okay. practice, okay. with yourself as another practice, and with women as a third practice. Do all of them. And each experience will be a little bit different. It sounds like it's all going to be movement through with music, but it's not. It's actually going to be a slightly different experience. Oh, yeah. I get that. Okay. Yes. Got it. Okay. So what are some other things that women could do to get tapped into that? If they know they're in their masculine so much, what else are some things? Well, I think the... Um, you know, if you really want to go deep into it, I would definitely... There's, a lot of resources out there, a lot of workshops and okay. uh, led by women. Um, and that's what I would do is I would do like a sisterhood kind of environment and, and do the practices there. Um, but what you can do, and, you know, and I can give you some resources at the end too, in terms of like where to go. Um, but a lot of it is really simple in the sense of just having the awareness of, um, you know, when you're in your masculine and feminine. So one thing you can do is self-care, for example. And there are so many different kinds of self-care. 
um, you know, very simply from bathtub, glass of wine, read a book, kind of simple kind of self-care. Um, that's not a, ma- if you think about it, it's not a masculine getting things done. It's a uh, being in the moment, feeling the water flow, yeah. et cetera. So any kind of flowy experiences you can think of and self-care is very important. Self-care is actually ironically more important for the masculine uh, than for the feminine. Really? Why is that? Because part of the masculine's job is to hold space for the feminine. And so if you think about somebody who's, you know, from an archetype perspective, the king, you know, people, some people think of like the king as the boss and gets to tell people what to do, but that's actually not at all what a good king is. A good king is somebody who is responsible for a lot of people in their life and it responsible in a variety of different ways. Um, it could be responsible financially, responsible emotionally, et cetera. And that responsibility requires a lot of energy. And so when men go off the rails is because they don't take care of themselves. They actually end up taking care of everybody else. And then when they snap, they often snap hard. So you cannot actually be man or woman. You cannot really be as good in your masculine as you can be unless you take care of yourself and you need to figure out what that taking care of yourself is. So for example, for me, like self-care would be walking through nature or doing physical activity in nature, but the physical activity piece of it, doing it by myself, doing it in communion with nature, I get recharged doing that. And so I know if I start getting like distraught, feeling burdened, uh, going a little crazy, I'm like, okay, (laughs) I got to go do something. Because if I don't do something, then I can't take care of my kids, my partner, my business, my community, et cetera. Mm, yeah. So self-care is critical to both the masculine and the feminine. Mm, okay. That's awesome. Wow. Okay. So like with, with men, right? So obviously masculine is, is men to their core, right? Like that's their core thing. So most men, yes. Most men. Okay. So with men, how you had mentioned, you know, you're, you've been finding a lot um, of men that are un- under the age of 40 that are more in their feminine. So what do you suggest with that? Like with, I mean. So the, it's practices also, it's the sort of the same idea. Um, the practices are different, obviously. Um, but so one of the. There's a couple of pieces to this. So one piece is, and, and this relates to what the how do how do you feel in your feminine? Um, one way is through relationship and having a man in their masculine. Um, so what what does the feminine look for in the masculine in kind of a relationship setting? And so one of those things is trustworthiness is paramount. It's the number one thing, really. Mm-hmm. And trustworthiness, um, you know, comes from psychology as well as the more spiritual energetic kind of teachings trustworthiness is very simple is doing what you say you're going to do that's it so people think of being trustworthy might be somebody who doesn't cheat or steal or you know kill or anything like that or um and it is obviously those things but trustworthy is things like 
when you say to somebody, I'm going to be there at five, they are there at five. If you say to somebody, I'm going to change the light bulb by the end of the day, you change the light bulb by the end of the day. You have no idea how many women are completely upset by their men who should be fixing the faucet, the this, the that, and it doesn't get fixed for a year or two, and they have to keep staring at the broken thing. Yeah. That makes you lose trust in your man. And it seems trivial, but trust is built through a thousand little actions, not one massive action. And um, so the practice for men, there are many, but like one practice for men is you really need to understand what trustworthiness is. The companion to that is integrity. And you have to develop your integrity. And so that might mean, first of all, you have to develop your trust and integrity with yourself. So if you say to yourself, I am going to go to the gym three times a week for an hour, you have to do it, even if nobody is watching. If you have trouble with stuff like that, which people do, start simple. So the start, starting simple thing, one example would be, can you meditate for one minute every day? Most people are like, yeah, that's not a big deal. So do it for 40 days. Meditate for one minute every day. Rain or shine, doesn't matter. Mm. And if you succeed at that, then you create another task, something else that you can get yourself to do, commit to do, and then do it. And that's how you that's one way that you can build that muscle uh, for the masculine. Man or woman, for women, it's the same thing. If you don't, you know, you can do the similar kind of program. And then, and then amp it up and escalate it and, you know, go from something like a minute a day for meditation to something more complicated and more complicated, et cetera, et cetera. And eventually, um, you know, you will develop, that's one way you will develop that muscle. Um, one way to do it that I like is there's a book by James Clear. There's actually a bunch of different books, but I like the one by James Clear called Atomic Habits. So it's about how do you, how do you form habits? And that's one way that you can, um, you know, if you read the book and kind of follow the premise, and there's a bunch of others if you want. It's not like it's the be-all and end-all, but that's I, I like that one. Um, and just develop those habits and, and build them. And, you know, so like I, for example, meditate at least 30 minutes a day every single day. And in the last year, I almost missed one day. And I got it in at 11.30 p.m. Nice. <laughs> but, I, but I did it. Yeah. And and that's because that's my practice and that's what I do. And uh, that might, meditation might not be the, you know, the thing for you, but whatever it is, it could be going to the gym. It could be anything. It doesn't really matter, frankly, what the thing is. And so the, the challenge that uh, men are having is men are very confused about a lot of things. Uh, they're very confused about women. They're very confused about what women are telling them. They're very confused about what their job is, what they're supposed to be doing. And so they feel like they often are kind of blowing in the wind somewhat. And with a little direction, not much, um, it's actually pretty, they can figure it out pretty fast. And so, you know, if you look at all the angst in Tinder dating land that people have, especially after divorce, it really comes down to a few simple things. And for one, the men are not trustworthy. 
they ghost women, they don't show up when they're supposed to, they don't do what they're supposed to, et cetera. It's really as simple as that. So if men kind of figured that out and got on that bandwagon and understood it um, that, and became trustworthy, first of all, they would attract a higher cal- caliber of feminine woman. Oh, yeah. That's the carrot. Because right now, if you're lost in the wind as a man, are not in integrity with yourself and others, are not trustable, you're not going to attract the great woman, just not going to work out. So so that's something, you know, first of all, it's kind of good for the universe, for lack of a better term, uh, for you to do that. But the very specific uh, carrot that you get is that you're going to attract a higher caliber of woman and have a much happier, fulfilling intense, passionate uh, relationship uh, that is going to be satisfying, not just an afterthought or a side gig or, you know, whatever. Mm, Yeah. I really love that. That I didn't, I mean, it makes sense now that you say that about men, (laughs) because just with my experience too, I mean, it hasn't always been like that, but um, just hearing you say that, um, yeah. It adds a lot of clarity now to a lot of things. And and even too, I'm just kind of going back a little bit with creating that one little habit to rewire your brain in a way. You didn't say those exact words, but um, but with meditation, I've been doing that. I do about like 10 minutes a day. And I've been doing that every day since 2018 when I got separated. And I've been committed to that. And then And then I'm starting to make my bed every day. It's simple little things. And then now I just started the Wim Hof, you know, method with cold showers in the morning. And it says, start with 30 seconds, just with a cold shower <laughs> for a week. And then the next week you keep ex- extending the time. And so, um, so I've been doing that, just finding little things and then working out every day. And so you can keep just adding, you know, little things onto your, your day, your routine. So Gets cool. Yeah, so you pr- you probably don't need to read the book then because you're already living it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where y- you might hit a point at some point where <clears throat> you now have too many habits and it starts becoming time consuming, um, oh. and and that's not a problem because that's part of growth. Okay. So you ha- you have to figure out which ones are the ones that are serving me the most and which ones are not. So if you get to that point, remember that you need to go back to what is the ultimate goal? Who am I? Where am I going? What am I trying to accomplish? Because the habits that serve that goal are the ones you need to keep. And then the other habits um, you know, can fall by the wayside because they're not as important. So you don't – because 10 years from now, you don't need to be doing 100 more things one minute each every day. <laughs> right, exactly. And and I believe that. And I'm all about kind of just filling into it, tapping into it. And does this feel right for me? Is this serving me? How do I feel when I'm doing this? And if it no longer serves me in a week, okay, move on. Right. So I, I feel like I'm pretty connected in that way, um, which is which is important. So but yeah. <laughs> and and, and for from a relationship perspective, and this is a form of practice. And so, okay. what better place to practice feminine and masculine than in relationship? Hmm. And the way relationships work is you need polarity. So one person needs to be in one pole, one in the other. 
some people, few people in my experience can kind of play both poles successfully or want to. Uh, most people want to be in one or the other, most, if not all the time, then most of the time in relationship. So just getting clarity on that is important. Um, and most men want to be in the masculine pole and most women want to be in the feminine pole, but that's not always true. So the, where the challenge comes in is if you are a successful career woman and you're in your masculine most of the day and you come home and you don't switch out of it, then you're gonna, your partner is probably going to be in their feminine. And that's the practice you're going to have. So if you want to practice your feminine, you need to A, get into yours, and B, have your partner be in their masculine. And typically it's the masculine's responsibility to make that happen, but the feminine oh, really? plays a role in that. Um, yeah, so like, so this is one. I th- let me see if I can find the quote. Um, yeah. So this is something that's really – that was one of my aha moments and um, – uh, to some people it might be controversial, but um, the so the question is who's leading in a relationship? And the answer in my mind is the masculine. That doesn't mean the man if they're not in their masculine. Whoever's in their masculine is the one leading the relationship in that moment. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you two quotes. One is from... Uh, the Gottman. So John and Julie Gottman have written all these relationship books over the last 40, 50 years. They have a love lab at the University of Washington where they study people and they claim in five minutes they can tell if somebody's going to get divorced or not with a 96% accuracy. So these are people, these are, you know, this is like the gold standard uh, in psychology right now, I would say from a relationship perspective. So in one of their books, uh, this is the quote from the psychologist. <clears throat> so here's the news flash. Men, you have the power to make or break a relationship. That's right. Research shows that what men do in a relationship is by a large margin, the crucial factor that separates a great relationship from a failed one. This does not mean that a woman doesn't need to do her part, but the data proves that a man's actions are the key variable that determines whether a relationship succeeds or fails, which is ironic since most relationship books are written for women. That's kind of like doing open heart surgery on the wrong patient. And the only thing I would tweak in what they said is not use the word men. I would use the word the person who is in their masculine in that moment, Uh, Because it's possible for the woman in her masculine to lead the relationship. It's not common, but it's possible. So the the second quote I'll give you is from David Data, who is kind of like the master masculine feminine teacher. There are masculine and feminine gifts in intimacy, and each gift comes with its own responsibility. The direction of growth of a relationship is primarily the man's responsibility The energy of an intimacy, pleasure, sexual flow, and vitality is primarily the woman's responsibility. So different wording, but the same kind of idea. And and, um, so if you want to spend more time in your feminine, um, you want a partner who wants to spend time in their masculine. And if you are currently in a relationship and that's not working quite, you're like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm in my masculine, he's in his feminine, you know, what do I do? Um, 
there's so what would I tell a man to do in this situation versus a woman? And the situation being that the man is too often in his feminine and the woman is too often in her masculine when they are together in relationship. So for a man, um, it's simple. You have to outmasculine her. So you have to do things, um, and that and there's many elements to it. But one element to it is, for example, your posture. Uh, you know, you have a more straight posture. Um, your breathing, how you look at her, how you approach her. So you can't be sort of laying splayed on the couch and saying, "I am man, hear me roar." That that doesn't doesn't really work. So you have to no. embody that. You know, what I like to do, so for like a simple example is you can embody the warrior. So think your favorite warrior movie and embody the character. You know, you could embody James Bond. You could embody a Japanese samurai. You could embody whatever and kind of feel that energy into you. And mm. it will actually shift you. And when you go to workshops in this space, you actually have to do practices of that nature where you embody these different energies. And you will learn very, very quickly. It seems like acting or a game or whatever, but you learn like when you bring it, you can completely shift the person Ooh. in front of you. It's like, bam. Ah, and, wow. You know, doing these various practices without going into details, um, you know, people have start crying, they start laughing, they have cathartic breakdowns. I mean, like all kinds of things when they're in the space with somebody who's bringing this kind of energy and you can do that at home in your relationship. So as a man, you need to outmasculine uh, your partner because when you do that, and that includes um, leadership, uh, organizing things, being trustable, you know, there's a lot of elements to it. But when you do that, then your partner will be like, oh, well, he's got the masculine covered. I can relax into my feminine. Mm. But if he doesn't have the masculine covered, you can't relax into your feminine. Just like you said, you can't fully relax into your feminine if you're dancing with your children because part of you is thinking about your children. Yeah. yeah. And what the feminine really wants to have in their partner is somebody who can hold them, make them feel safe, and, and know that they'll take care of everything that needs to get taken care of. Only then can you let go and surrender and flow into your feminine. So mm. that's the precondition. So it's the same kind of idea in flip side. So if I was, if that was the situation and I was coaching uh, the woman, you need to out-feminine him. By out-feminine him, getting more flowy, et cetera, he will probably snap into his masculine. And that's how you polarize people is you bring more of the energy that you want to be and you flip them into the other energy. And so that's difficult, I find, for women initially. Eventually they get it pretty quick because they're so used to being at work and doing the masculine thing. Yeah. And so they come to a relationship and they do the masculine thing. Mm -hmm. And you tell a woman initially, like, just surrender, let go, let him take care of it. What do they say? What do you think they say? <laughs> he won't do it. He won't take care of it. It won't get done. 
That's exactly. What I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why. Yeah. So how are you going to surrender and let go to your man if you think he can't take care of it? Yeah, that's mm, not possible, really. Nope. So men, mm -hmm. you got to learn how to take care of it. Mm. You, men, you have to get her to know that you have her. Mm. And, you know, a very powerful statement at the right moment especially when a woman is, for example, getting very emotional about something is to just whisper in her ear, I got you. Mm. And if you're trustable and that's believable, then she can melt into you in that moment because she believes that, yeah, he got me. And the challenge nowadays is that people don't know how to do that for each other. And it's not complicated. It really isn't. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's all, of, I think what happens is you get stories or things, your mind just is going nonstop constantly versus really getting tapped in, tuned in to yourself and your instincts will just naturally tell you, or not tell you, but you'll just be drawn to do things and just follow that. Mm -hmm. If someone's crying, if someone, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I think it's really powerful being able to be connected and tuned in. Cause again, like you said, it's not that hard. You just got to get honed in and then I think it will be, it's pretty simple. Right. And you know, the, the, the next thing is sort of like, I would call like the next level, a slightly higher level of difficulty for men. But um, I, I feel like I want to touch on it because there's a bit of a misconception in society about it. So there's this whole idea of whether men should feel emotions or not and express emotions or not. And mm. you know, there's a one school of thought, which is, you know, suck it up, buttercup, and, you know, show no emotion. There's another school of thought of let it all flow and et cetera. So one school of thought is be in your masculine 100%. The other one is kind of be in your feminine 100%, at least for a moment in time. But where I'm going with this is um, I think it's important for men and women uh, women do it more naturally, men have a harder time with this, is to get in touch with your emotions. And what that means is feel the emotion you're feeling. Pause for 30 seconds. That's what getting in touch with your emotion is. Feel it. Is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? Give it a name. Is it I'm happy? I'm sad? I'm angry? What is it? And that's and get skilled at understanding what is happening inside of you. You don't have to go and then tell everybody like, hey, I'm sad right now. Hey, I'm angry. That, that's not the important part. The important part is you tapping into what is my emotion and being able to label it. And one example is you tell a guy to list five emotions they had in the last week. Most of them can't get to five, and the five are going to be angry, sad, happy, you know, whatever. That's it. Yeah. You ask somebody who's done this practice to name the emotions they had last week, they'll come up with 100 or 200 emotions because they're that tuned in. And, you know, you can be angry, but the anger could be frustration. It could be some other type of anger. You know, anger could be 50 flavors of anger. The reason why that is important is because if you can't feel yourself, you can't feel your woman. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. So step one, feel yourself. 
use that as your baseline. And then when you're with a woman, feel into her and don't be afraid because when you feel into your woman, mm -hmm. you're going to tap into some interesting energies and experiences and don't take it on like it has anything to do with you. Just witness it, feel into it. And when you can do that, your ability to connect with her and lead her just grows exponentially. And then obviously it can translate also into sexual yoga, but it, but even just from a day-to-day, moment-by-moment perspective, your ability to feel into her is a great skill to have and changes both your lives. Wow. Well, yeah. Wow. That is, whew, that is incredible. Wow. How beautiful is that though? And like, I love what you're up to and what you're doing, Peter. I mean, just hearing you again, like, again, I was so blown away at the webinar, but just, you're really up to something. You're really up to make a difference for men and women to get tapped in to that masculine and that feminine and to who they are as a man or woman. And it, it makes a big difference. You know, it, it takes, I believe it takes one person to make a difference in the world. Right. And then it ke continues to ripple and ripple and ripple. And I just really admire you and what you're up to because you have so much knowledge. And I know you're changing many lives and you've changed many lives. And I'm so grateful you're on here right now because I'm learning so much from you. And I know all my listeners are going to gain so much from this. So, seriously, thank you again because I'm like, ah, I'm so blown away. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, my pleasure. I mean, the, the, reward I get from this is I know how easy it is to change people's lives for the better. This is not like years of therapy. You can change somebody's life in a day, a week, and a month, like 180. Mm. Because it's just a little, this is the little bit of knowledge that goes so, so far. And for men in particular, it gives them something to shoot at and a challenge that they can aspire to and climb. And that's what the masculine wants is they want a challenge. They want to be the master of it. And the reason why they're sort of floating in the wind, some of them is because they don't have the framework of what to do mm. and they're just winging it essentially. And so I don't know what your experience is, but you know, especially people who are, divorce so now they're dating in their 30s 40s 50s 60s whatever their dating doesn't look that different from how they were dating at 18 mm. because they haven't necessarily i mean they have more life experiences but they don't have more dating experiences and so they're still stuck kind of in a youthful view of the world and some of this work um, i definitely encourage people to read the books and you know, if, if you're then further intrigued, go to workshops and get a coach and, you know, whatever you need. Um, because, uh, yeah, you, and a lot of people, you know, don't need much. They just need a little pointing in the right direction and that's all they need. Once in a while, somebody wants to go all the way. And um, but that's not that's not typical and it's, you know, not necessary. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So I wanted to ask you this. So I feel like with, this is just kind of what I've heard, what I've read with dating. And I 
you know, as, as we know, men are the hunters. They're the ones that, you know, you, you let them take charge. So with dating, it's like, I, I, I hear so many different things. Cause I feel like, again, women are so in their masculine. So they'll just take charge and like ask the guys out. But I'm more about like flow. And if a guy wants to go out with me, he'll ask me out. He'll, he'll do whatever it takes to go out. And I'm not the type that will do that, at least in the beginning stages. How, what are your thoughts on that? Like, yeah. So first of all, I don't like, uh, and I try never to get black and white answers because the situation yeah. is always what, you know, you have to go with the flow of what the situation demands. But as sort of a general thesis, I would say that if you're a woman um, and you want to ask a guy out or would like a guy to ask you out, rather than doing the asking, um, tap into your feminine and your feminine wiles and show them that you're interested. And if you do that, a lot of things will happen. First of all, you will polarize them into their masculine. So the odds of them in that moment with you being flirty, and for example, uh, the you get flirty, you go more into your feminine, they will go more into their masculine. The odds of them asking you out in that state is much higher. Mm. And if they don't, it's usually one of two reasons. One is for whatever reason, they're not attracted to you. The other reason is because they don't have confidence. Mm. And at some level, do you really want the guy to ask you out who's not confident? Ultimately, no. you don't. <laughs> so, so you're going to, you're not going to know which is the answer, confidence or liking you, but you will know the answer. It ain't happening. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. You move on, et cetera. Right. But if you instead, and I'm not saying this is wrong, I would just want to be clear about that. But if you instead go and ask the guy out, that can still work out just fine. But you're also saying, I'm going to be in my masculine and you're going to be in your feminine right now because I'm doing yeah. the asking. Mm. And so then that just starts the relationship on that foot. Unless you can flip that really, really quickly, it's going to continue on that foot. And means that if you are a feminine identified woman at the core and you're now in a relationship where he keeps getting you stuck in the masculine because of the dynamics of how it started, then you're just not going to be happy. Yeah. So it's not like a don't do it, but if you do it, flip it quickly. And both cases, whether you do it initially or soon after, you just got to get into your feminine and expose that part of you to him and try and polarize him into his masculine and then see how that takes you, where, you, where that takes you guys. Mm, I love that. Okay. Because mm. otherwise, you know, like you probably heard this a lot too, the complaints of like, um, you know, well, he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that and whatever. And it's like, yeah, because you did that for him for the first three months. Yeah. And so he thinks that's what you do. Yes. <gasps> that is so true. Because I do hear that a lot. Now it makes sense. I didn't even put it together. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So mm. that's why getting into really understanding this masculine and feminine work is really helpful is because it, the first thing it does for everybody, the first thing it did for me is explain in particular what doesn't work. It also explained what does work, but you're like, oh, that's why we have that problem or that's why that keeps happening. And you're like, okay, step one, don't do that. <laughs> step two, figure out what to do. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. So what are some resources? Like if you could name maybe two books for people to read or uh, training or with you, working with you or your wife, I mean, or partner, I don't know if you are you married, partner. remarried now. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay. So your partner. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you want to find uh, me and my partner, empoweringyourlove.com is the website. Um, and in terms of, so I have a lot of, te- I've worked with a lot of teachers and I have a lot of teachers I really love and appreciate for different reasons. The two I like to start people with typically are David Data, who to me is kind of like the godfather of this work. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's written about 10 books. Um, the book I recommend uh, for men uh, is The Way of the Superior Man. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a pretty quick read. Essentially, it's structured into something like 50 chapters. Each chapter is maybe five pages and kind of hits one point. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love that book. Uh, it's the one I usually start everybody out on. And for women, uh, a lot of his books are great. For women, in terms of David Data's books, and his last name is D-E-I-D-A, um, it's Intimate Communion. Um, mm-hmm. But I usually start women with Alison Armstrong, and her book, The Queen's Code. Um, so that's that's where I would send people. And I would say, start with that. Um, and then, you know, from there, you know, you can reach out to me on empoweringyourlove.com or, you know, David Data does uh, maybe a couple of workshops a year nowadays, and they're online because of COVID right now. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other teachers that do that, but it kind of, in order for me to like recommend one, it, it it's kind of important to know where you're at and what you are looking for, yeah. because if you want to make masculine, feminine your life and live it twenty four seven with your partner, with and that be your job, et cetera, et cetera, then you know David Data would be the ultimate teacher in a way. That's kind of where mm-hmm. you want to go. Um, if you're just having some issues in your relationship, trying to fix some stuff, uh, you know, so you're like, uh, I want to put a couple of months of effort into this. You know, there are other people who might be a better fit, uh, for that. And it depends on who you are, your personality, et cetera. But in general, I would say that a lot of the teachers in this space only do a few workshops, maybe five workshops a year. Um, Mm -hmm. but they're out there. Um, yeah. And if people reach out to me, I'm happy to, if I understand kind of what you're looking for, I would direct you to like one teacher versus another uh, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But the books are like really the starting point. It's like, see how it resonates and then, you know, find a coach. Um, There's plenty of coaches out there. They all bring different things to them. So as much as I love what David Data does, some of his People who have studied with him, for example, I've worked with John Wineland and Kendra Kunov. And um, so they take David's work, but they also do a lot of other work and then they blend it beautifully together in their version of the work. So there's a lot of really uh, cool things out there uh, for people Mm. to do. Yeah. Okay. And like for you and your partner, do you guys have like a thing together? Like it seems like you have your like... So we, we don't do, or? we haven't we don't do um, workshops together, but we'll work with couples. We'll 
I'll typically okay. work with the man and she'll work with the woman. And she oh. and she does uh, uh, fem, female embodiment practices. So she will lead groups of women into feminine types of practices. So no way. Oh. So we can, you know, for people in the Salt Lake area, we could definitely organize yes. something. I would love that. I'm t- okay. Well, let's do it. Mm-hmm. I would, I would absolutely love that. So cool. And then social media, you're on Facebook and Instagram. So how can they, what's your handle on Instagram and they can, I don't really do, use Insta you know, or okay. Facebook. So just my Facebook. name, Peter Laban on Facebook. People can find me that way. I find you there. Okay. Awesome. Oh my goodness. Is there anything else that you want to add to this before we. I think that's a good intro. I would just encourage people um, that there's so much really cool stuff you can learn quickly that shifts your life. And, you know, there's no reason to be stuck in your loops. There's no reason to be unhappy. It's not about the other person. Um, you can unilaterally make some choices uh, quickly and and uh, really change your life 180. And, and I'm happy to support anyone in that journey in whatever way I can. Mm, yes, thank you. And, you know, I do want to add um, with all of this is, you know, the saying, you don't know what you don't know until you know. And I think it's, again, there's there's always something to learn here in relationships and with jobs and with just expansion in general. And so it's just being open to that, open to knowing that there's more, there's always going to be more you're going to learn. Yeah. So. And, you know, with social media and technology nowadays, there's never been a better time to be able to tap into these resources, you know, like 50 years ago, if you wanted to learn this stuff, good luck. (laughs) <laughs> but now there's just <laughs> so much out there. So there um, I love it. Yeah. It's a great time to be alive. It really is, isn't it? Well, thank you so much again, Peter. It's been a pleasure having you on. I've learned so much from you. So thank you.